and welcome to this month's episode of Book Blather Fact Fiction and Fabulousness. This is our penultimate episode before the end of term. We will be reading Julia and the Shark by Kiran Millwood Harvey in order to celebrate Mental Health Awareness Week, which fell last week in May. So you know the drill by now. Think maybe too warm for a cup of tea or coffee, maybe an ice drink, an ice coffee, and obviously get something sweet and sit back and enjoy. This month we are delighted to have Mr. Terry with us. Hello. Hello. Um, welcome. Yeah, can't wait to hear about your, your favourite books. Why kick off with the first question? Oh, Straight at it. Uh, right, so what book are you reading just now? Currently I am actually reading a book that I just picked up at the weekend called The Ascension by Nicholas Binge. Ooh. I've never heard of them before. No. I don't know if it's a debut or whatever. I must admit I'm quite basic. I see a pretty cover and I go, oh, <laughs> shiny. And then I need to read the blog and go, that actually sounds quite good. Mm-hmm. It's about a guy who grows up with his brother, but the brother's quite eccentric, he's quite aloof, doesn't really communicate with other people too much. And then when the main character has a daughter, the brother becomes part of the family again and kind of takes his role as an uncle very seriously and bonds really well with the niece until one day when the brother just disappears. No word, never heard of again. And then the guy's friend, 30 years later, says, I was visiting my mum in a mental institute and I'm sure it's your brother, goes and visits him, sure enough it's his brother, mm. and then obviously the brother can't really communicate too well, but in the bag there is like 30 years worth of letters, he's normally sent the letters to the niece and then he just stopped, so then the whole story unfolds, the uncle had been writing out letters to send to the niece but never actually sent them, so that each chapter mm. in the book <clears throat> is a letter to the niece mm. basically, and it's quite good. I won't go too into much into mm-hmm. the details of the plot or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. So is every every chapter is a letter and that yep. progresses that like over the thirty years. Yep. To tell right. basically what's happened to him over the thirty years. They never intended to send the letters, it's just like a, a journaling thing that right. he had to kind of keep him going through the thirty years of experience and stuff. Can I ask you about what was on the front cover that made you want to, to read it? I'm so intrigued. It's called the ascension because mm-hmm. in the middle of the pacific ocean a mountain appears but it's like thirty thousand feet so it's like you can't mm-hmm. see the top of it and the cover is literally just a mountain in the middle of an ocean mm. and it's nice and colorful and i'm like oh nice that, colors yes <laughs> that'll do that'll do nice i'm the same i'm a sucker for a good front cover as well like they pick the front covers for a reason they yep. want to draw you in yep you know, it works cover. Mm-hmm. that's why i always say to the kids as well it's like yeah, you do hear the adage you know don't judge a book by its cover but we all do that oh, I, do. I need to not do it so you talked about the book that you're reading now, but I wonder, could you tell us about the book that changed your life? So, I think most people, I say that, most Glaswegians would know this book. The book that changed my life would probably be Divided City oh, by yeah, Teresa yeah. Breslin. Growing up, I went. I grew up in a very stereotypical kind of old, old-fashioned, traditional house, Glaswegian house. My dad went and worked away, and it was just like kind of me and my brothers and my mum. Reading wasn't a priority. And then primary six or primary seven, uh, we went on a school trip and it was the revealing, it was the debut of Theresa Breslin's Divided City. So she read the first few chapters and I bought the book and got it signed by her, which I still have on my bookshelf actually. And it just, it resonated with me so well, just with the sectarianism and the issues that we face today and unfortunately I guess we still face in (laughs) some degree. But it's the book that really, it's the first book that actually grabbed me and Mm -hmm. introduced me to reading. 
Do you know that was the number one most borrowed book in the school library for about five years in a row? Oh, wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Hugely popular. I found out actually from a partner that Divided City, the front cover, was actually photographed in Kirk and Tillot somewhere. I've heard this too, and I think I know what it is. I will find out, I'll let you know, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it has. Uh, did you Did you also know that Teresa Beslin has a connection to the school? I did not know that. <gasps> yes. Right, so yeah, did, so did she teach here? She was a librarian. Citation needed. <laughs> but she does have a connection to the school as well, so there you go. There you go. It was meant Claire to be. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that the book that you read in P6 was one that changed your life. Do you recall your earliest reading memory? So I'm kind of going to be cheeky. I guess Divided City would have been my earliest, mm-hmm. but I'm going to not use that one and go for mm-hmm. the next earliest, I guess. So the way I repeat the same stuff. One of my earliest memories was actually in high school. I couldn't tell you what year. Couldn't tell you what classroom, so I can't tell him who the teacher was. I think I can remember the books, but my one of my earliest memories is the feeling of that coziness that you get from a good book. Mm-hmm. That I think it was like a warm day, and it's just sit and read for like ten minutes. It felt like an eternity because it was that good, but just that coziness of feeling, and it's that kind of calmness that comes with it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of the books I remember was called D Day, and it was a war book. Mm-hmm. And then I could never find it again, so I started a new book, and I don't know the title. I talked to my partner about it, and she thinks it was the Cherub series. Oh yeah. I think it's I think it's like a group of teenage spies going to a school and trying fight crime, <laughs> and there's a gang element to it that you can tell by the shoes that they wear and the different stripes that they have. Oh. The more stripes, the higher up in the gang. There. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sounding crazy. And my partner was like, Yeah, that's the Cherub series. I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't remember it for the life of me, but it's just that feeling that stuck with me—not the book, not the teacher, not the not the room, but the feeling that I felt. Sometimes the actual details get stripped away, and mm-hmm. it's that association that you have with it that lingers. Yeah. Wow. And how amazing that you've been able to identify what the series is. After I know. That. I know. Mm-hmm. I was actually really recently. It was actually maybe a couple of months ago, and then my partner actually bought me the Cherub series. Nice. Oh, it's really neat. Bit nostalgia. <laughs> So you've talked about your earliest reading memory there, but I wondered if you could tell us, if you can, uh, what your favourite book is. I like what you said, if I can. I could honestly talk to you about this book, I don't know, all day. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually a sci-fi fantasy. Yay. You're fantasy. in the right place. <laughs> Good. I thought I'd be out of place. No. My favourite book is The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. I love that book. It's my favourite book, I guess. It's kind of like Harry Potter, but with a different type of magic. It's like not really like wands and spells. It's more of a hard based magic system they call it, where it's kinda of like there's rules and there's techniques to it and stuff. It all makes sense. Like you can't lift something without something else falling. Mm-hmm. And as a scientist I actually I like <laughs> stuff that makes sense. <laughs> the way it's introduced is there's a guy in an inn and then obviously you get the characters that come into the inn, blah blah blah. But one of them's called Chronicler, who chronicles people's lives and realises that the innkeeper is actually like a world-famous musician, magician, but also a world-famous assassin. Ooh, wow. And he asked to record his life, and at first he's like, no, 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 I need to stay anonymous, but then agrees to it, and says it will take three days for me to tell my story for you to record it. And the book series is a trilogy, and obviously each book in the trilogy is one oh, day of I the agree. story. One thing, though, about that book that really probably would make it my favourite is the fact I listen to the audiobooks. Mm. I love an audiobook. 
and the guy that narrated this, wow. It gave me a complete appreciation for a job I didn't even know about. Like, <laughs> vocal artist, I don't know what you call them. I think, yeah. Amazing. What do you, do you know his name by any chance? Rupert the Gas. Oh, I think a fantastic name. Yep. <laughs> I love that name. I couldn't believe, so he, has a, he does a different voice. It's one person for the whole book. Mm-hmm. And I, astounding. Uh, each character has a different voice. And it's just, it's the small subtleties like that that really made it for me. And again, I got that. I think that was the first book since that day in high school that I got that kind of cosy feeling listening mm-hmm. to it and I don't know it just stuck with me over the years Amazing. I'm really loving all your book here yeah yeah I'm a big fan as well like I just find it so relaxing and it also keeps my mind occupied like say if I'm doing stuff around the mm-hmm. house and stuff I love it like and I listen to it before I go to sleep as well like I've stopped I don't lose my place anymore like oh, I just not? go end a chapter and I'm like and then I'm nice and settled I can sleep it's great Oh, that's brilliant. Good. Where, where do you listen to your audio books? Have you got a set time? I listen to them before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So normally what will happen is I'll fall asleep listening to it and then go back <laughs> and rewind and, and find my spot again. Um, I'm like, yes, I've heard this bit skip forward. Mm-hmm. But that's it's kind of like my settler. Mm-hmm. One thing for me as well is I didn't do a lot of reading growing up. So reading for me doesn't come naturally. And I think that's why I tend towards audio books because I don't know what it is. Someone telling me a story and I'm just... I'm hooked. It's like kind of reverting back to childhood almost, yeah. isn't it? Like a bedtime story. Like yeah. it's great. It's something comforting yeah. in it as well. I think it's just like that feeling of being read aloud too. It mm-hmm. just never gets old. No, you don't know I about agree. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. So, last question we have for you: Do you have a favourite writer? I yes. If you asked me this a couple months ago, I'd have probably said someone different. But now, uh, my favourite author would be Brandon Sanderson. Just his whole work, I think, is absolutely amazing. I love every bit of it that I've read so far. But the thing about Brandon Sanderson is he releases books at such a pace. And they're all so mm-hmm. good, but he releases them at such a pace that it's hard to keep up mm-hmm. with it. It's hard to keep up reading them. Yeah. It, what does like to write them? I don't I know. know. Is it like Stephen King effort almost? <laughs> he actually, last year, he did a Kickstarter. One day on his YouTube page, he just went, oh, by the way, through lockdown, I've written four books that I did above what I've already written. I just I got bored and I wrote four books. If you raise this amount of money, I will release them. <laughs> And then he really he raised like fifty million dollars over Kickstarter, broke every single record for wow, these four that's books. That's incredible. So can I ask what what kind of genre does he write in, or does he write in lots of different genres, or basically exclusively fantasy? Fantasy. Um, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, like a more modern Lord of the Rings mm. kind of writer, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he dabbles within that as well. So he's got two big franchises, I guess. Lord of all, it's Stormlight Archive, which is kind of like Lord of the Rings. And his other one's Mistborn, which is kind of like a, a more fantasy, magical Ocean's Eleven. Oh, well, that's crossover. Yeah, I think that's, uh, they released a YouTube video and they said that's where he got the, the kind of, like, the idea from. He's watching Ocean's Eleven one day and went, hmm. <laughs> and then came up with one of the best-selling <laughs> book stories ever. And how did you discover the author? I can't remember, actually. I picked the first book from one of these series... For so long, I think it was just a youth. I was doing research what fantasy books are the best books about, and I thought I'll give this one a go. And then it was like 40 hours long, the audio book, and I was kind of like, right, okay. And then I was hooked again, I was just kind of like, huh. And then just kind of progressed from there. So I think I just stumbled across him. Amazing. It sounds like you're not going to run out of anything. No, <laughs> nope. especially 40-hour books as well. Like I'm daunted by a 15-hour. I'm like, oh, well, but I can't imagine what a 40-hour one's like. No, I think he's he's, he's, he's writing the last book. 
So Stormly Archives, five books long. He's produced four and currently writing the fifth. And I think he's up to, he does like a weekly update and he's about 50%. And this is just from about the start of this year. That's on top of releasing the four books from last year. And oh. it's just kind of the pace he goes That's <clears> unbelievable. Such imagination as well to be able yeah. to churn out so many books. And obviously of good quality as well. So, yeah. Yep, unbelievable. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to yeah. come on. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for that. Julian the Shark is our chosen book. Yes. And this is a gorgeous book. Mm-hmm. I feel we've got to start by describing that because it's one of those visually stunning Yes. Books. It's so simple as well. So what the, the main colour scheme is yellow, black, grey and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really striking. It's just beautiful. I love the front cover. I wish we could, if we were a video podcast, we could show the front cover. I know, we keep saying this. I feel like we might be going towards a video <laughs> I know, podcast I think at some point. <laughs> but yeah, it's absolutely stunning. But it's gorgeous mm-hmm. because, as you say, it's written by Karen Millwood Harvey, mm-hmm. but it's illustrated by her husband, Tom yeah. Preston. And it's just absolutely gorgeous stuff. To start off with, then, how would you, what would you say about the title of the book? I liked the fact, I've said this before, I really love titles that are simple to mm-hmm. the point. But I like it because the shark is the catalyst in the mm-hmm. story for the events that unfold. And, you know, you've got our main character, Julia, thinking and talking about the Greenland shark and mm-hmm. how how they are so old, mm-hmm. like these creatures who have been alive at the time of Shakespeare. And now we've got... It's a real it's a real type of shark, isn't it? Yeah, right, that's yes. right. Because I was like, is this, this can't be fictional. But I, yeah, fascinating that there's a shark as old as that. I just didn't know. And the, the detail mm-hmm. about the shark being aged, not mm-hmm. by... Not by the bones, like the rings uh-huh. of a tree, which is apparently how you age most sharks, mm-hmm. but because of the crystals in their eyes yeah, that are built by parasites. I thought that was, <gasps> wow. I also just like the fact that it moves at half a mile an hour. Um, <laughs> so just, just chilling chilling its way through life. <laughs> Love it. For me, I, I said I, I like the fact it was simple as well. And I like the fact that it mentions the shark, because the shark comes to represent so much more within the novel as well, which was fab. How would you have summed up the book in a single sentence? Um, I always really struggle with this. Like, I don't know what it is, but this one I find particularly challenging, I think, because there is so much in it. There's so much to unpack. But for me, I think I boiled it down to a novel that highlights the importance and power of a mother-daughter relationship. I like that because there's so many books where parents are almost sidelined yeah. and the main action's with children. Young people, yeah. 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 So I think that was, that was really powerful. How would you sum it up? Again, I always struggle with this, but I say it was an ultimately uplifting story about the mysteries in our seas, our skies, and in ourselves. Ooh. Um, <laughs> sorry. Did you? Is, I'm just going to check the blurb. No, no. Right, so, a side job writing the blurb. You should. You really should. Your total's so much better. I'm great. Right, I think I, in future you need to go last because your total's better than mine. <laughs> That's but you know, I love because she makes friends with mm-hmm. a kid mm-hmm. who loves the sky. The sky. Yeah, That's and Julia loves, loves the sea. He loves the sky. It's like two, the two opposites meet. I also loved the bit about the sky with the murmurations, uh, the birds and things like that. I thought it was, I think that actually does that feature. It's not on the front, but it's inside the book. Beautiful. 
I know it's a great motif <coughs> right the way through it. So it's just this kind of vast, almost unknowable space mm-hmm. and how great love learning mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Did you have a standout character? Yes. So many to choose from. Obviously Julia's great. Her mum, I really I love her mum. I just love her passion. She's great. But for me, I went for it now. I know not to say it as gin because she said not pronounced like the alcoholic or what did she say? My mum's favourite beverage. Oh. <laughs> Which I thought I thought was quite funny. But it's is a g like the it said to pronounce it like the g and begin. So gin. Gin. Gin, yeah. So for me, I really like gin. Gin's an islander uh, from Shetland. Oh, we should have said that the book is set in Shetland. So the character Julia moves from Cornwall to Shetland. I mean, total opposites of the ends of the country for the summer. So her mum can go and research the shark that she is fascinated by and who's, but she's been re- researching for years. Gin's one of the islanders and he's this lovely old man who's so welcoming to them when they move to the island. But for me, what stood out was his kindness. There's a major incident within the book and Julia has to go and stay with Gin for a bit. And it's awkward for Julia because Julia upset Gin's grandson, is Adrian? Mm. Yes, Adrian. She said something really unkind to him. But Gin just forgives everything and just takes it, takes it because she's in desperate need of someone to look after her at that point. I think his kindness just for me, stood out for me. What about yourself? Do you know, just in in the same vein about Mm -hmm. people who show kindness, I I chose Kin. So we Mm -hmm. talked about his love of the stars, but I I love the fact that his family runs a small library. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Library slash laundrette. When are you branching into the laundrette business? It just shows you you can diversify. (laughs) Yeah. Different (laughs) different avenues. But yeah, it was interesting because that thread of do you welcome new people? Mm -hmm. Are you afraid of them? Runs right through the book in this kind of sense of bullying people for being mm-hmm. different or not something you're used to and it was nice as you say with, with Gin that, mm-hmm. that he was able to say you know that's not you and mm-hmm. you can take me in when that's off mm-hmm. when you really run you in need of it but he was a great foil to mm-hmm. Julia in the, in the book so I really enjoyed his character. What was your most memorable moment? Oh I think for me Julia's dreams I find them quite frightening. I'm not scared of the sea I'm scared of the really deep sea it kind of freaks me out a little bit you know, the fact that there's areas of space that are more documented and well-known than areas of the, the sea, that freaks me out majorly. For me, Julia's dreams were stood out. They were beautifully written, but they were, I found them quite terrifying because of, because of what went on with the sea. It just shows the impact of the move on Julia's own mental health and also her mother's struggles as well. And it just shows how things going on with the family can affect you, even if you don't really realise that it's affecting you. I also thought about I thought I could read a bit from from one of her dreams. So this is one of the dreams from about halfway through the novel, and I just thought it was quite terrifying and quite vivid as well. The bed was a boat, and the sheets turned to foam under my fingers. The whole room was rocking, and above me the roof was gone, replaced with lightning lashing the low, thick clouds, long tongues of fire furling and unfurling, tracing veins of burning silver, but silent. It raged and raged without a sound. And there was something in the water. It was deep, moving slowly through the black sea. The water rose above the rolling shape, huge and swallowing as the sky. I couldn't move, couldn't see it. It was quiet, all so quiet. I felt caught behind glass. I couldn't turn my head, but I knew it was rising, knew it was opening a mouth as wide as the world. And it was that point that she wakes up. What a terrifying dream. Like, it really is terrifying. And the fact the dreams seem to always have an illustration page, or I think they mostly have illustration mm-hmm. pages with them. The illustrations are fab. There's a great illustration on this, the page after that dream 
of the outline of the shark and it's so creepy but it's really, it's really really good shows you the power of a page turn as well uh, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so what about for you what was your what was your standout moment it was probably when Ken encouraged Julia to kind of stargaze when she really shouldn't have been stargazing <laughs> yeah. and because they, they moved to a lighthouse mm-hmm. because her dad is, is rewiring the lighthouse what a job like <laughs> what a skill set <laughs> so between him rewiring the lighthouse mm-hmm. and her mum mum's like increasing desire to, mm-hmm. to track down the, the shark and Julia's quite often left her own devices mm-hmm. and so making a friend and discovering something just as interesting and vast as mm-hmm. the sea was quite a, an amazing mm-hmm. bit and again the illustrations that mm-hmm. accompanying it were really vivid and very powerful. As a side note what I find quite interesting about the fact that it's set in a lighthouse for me, I, I find lighthouses fascinating, but for me, I find them quite creepy. Obviously, after reading that book, the, the one about the lake, the lighthouse keepers, eh, which is based on a true story, well, give me the heebie-jeebies, but I love the fact that they're not really, the children aren't really scared of the lighthouse. They just take it for what it is and they see it as a place of adventure, which is which is really cool. No, that's true. And it's interesting, you know, when you're trying to think of a setting to write mm-hmm. your own story and things like that, that, that a lighthouse is a mm-hmm. great setting, but a bit creepy. Even yeah. though it technically, I suppose it's because you spend so much time there on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're very often at an outpost. Mm-hmm. We've come to the wild card moment. Yeah, um, I think for me, I mean, we've kind of mentioned it before, but I was talking about the drawings, just yeah, absolutely beautiful. And I think I really like how at the climax of the novel, the most dramatic part, the words and the pictures really work together to tell the story. The, the placement on the page is really is amazing as well. It just is so it's incredible. One of those yeah. books you can see yourself returning to. And yeah, oh, absolutely. And also as well, like, I, I just love maps. <laughs> like, I love an OS map. Like, that's, <laughs> sad as that sounds, like, just love looking at seeing what's about. So I love the fact that at the start of the novel, there's map, There's a map of the UK, and it pinpoints where Shetland is. I know, obviously, we know where Shetland is, but for me, it was just a reminder of how remote it is. Like, you forget that it's actually, it's, it's, there's something in the novel about Shetland is closer to Norway, is that right? Yeah, closer to Norway than it is to Scotland, which is mad to think about. But it's also great because you see Julia's journey from Cornwall all the way up to Shetland, and she actually uses a yellow line to draw her journey all the way up, which I thought was really, really cool. Do you know, I love stuff like that because I lost count of the number of times that I didn't quite know where a book was set. Mm -hmm. I know more now because, you know, you build up your knowledge of the world, but you think, I mean, why limit it to fantasy Mm -hmm. novels? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Explore our own world. (laughs) Well, but for you, what was your your, uh, wild card then? It was tied into the art because I was doing a wee bit of reading around the the book and apparently Tom DeFriston's studio burned down and lots of the illustrations were actually created from the ashes and fragments of the fire. For this book? Yes. Oh, wow. And I just thought, given that, you know, we're reading this book um, to mark Mental Health Awareness uh, Week, and, of course, as you say, without giving spoilers, there's quite a catastrophic mm-hmm. incident in, in the book, and, and, and I think there's something really powerful about, like, the art and, mm-hmm. and rebirth through mm-hmm. what was there before, through the ashes and the, mm-hmm. the remnants, and like, I just like, thought that was really beautiful. Like a phoenix, almost, as well. And also, as well, I think... Yeah, kind of links nicely to the them like they have to kind of rebuild their life not that things fell apart but they have to rebuild a, like an identity and a, a, a set rebuild a sense of home when they move to Shetland and then obviously after the major event and then overly have to rebuild after that so mm-hmm. oh gosh that's another layer <laughs> I, just, I love it, it just shows you because you know it's the sort of thing you might not I mean I've, I would never have thought that when no. I'm looking at it but it was only because I was reading around the mm-hmm. book and the interviews that they gave around the time because I think I believe it won Waterstones Children's Book of the Year the year it came out not surprised about that at all <laughs> it's amazing brilliant story so unfortunately we don't have the ebook of it but we do have copies in the library I 
because we've got to we've got to launch into our oh so this is so exciting i actually forgot the name of the book and the author and i can't believe i forgot this because the book that i'm reading is the dance tree by kenan millwood hargrave same person who wrote julia and the shark sheer coincidence did not know that at all so that was a really amazing pleasant surprise I've only just started it. The premise is it's set in Strasbourg a few hundred years ago and there's a, there's a famine, not a lot of food, everything's really fraught and difficult. But basically this strange kind of spell falls over, I think it's, it's just the women where they dance and that's as far as I've got so far. They have, actually no, somebody did start dancing in the prologue but I've not got to that point just yet. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see how it, how it goes. And obviously, it's, it's yeah, it's really I love I love reading it at the moment, and the way it's written is just great. So, so you feel like you've discovered an author that you ah, like? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, no illustrations in this one, but the front cover is amazing as well. It's beautiful. It's actually what what drew me to it. And it was also a featured book in a bookshop I was in, so I was like, oh, I'll give this a wee go. What about you? What are you reading? I am uh, I'm reading The Immortalists by Ooh. Chloe Benjamin, which I just um, I, I can't even remember how I came to it. I I request books from my local mm-hmm. library. And it, it turned up on Sunday and I looked at it and I thought, I can't remember why I ordered it. <laughs> but I'm so glad I did because it's this it's the story of four children mm-hmm. who, when they are kids, discover the day that they are going to die. Oh. They go to a clairvoyant. So the four children come away with these dates in their head and the book follows them for the mm-hmm. rest of their lives. And it's one of those quite soaring epic stories mm-hmm. that goes through the decades and across like different places and different oh. people. I just cannot stop reading it. I only started it yesterday and I'm about a quarter of the way wow. into this really big, big book. Does it does it just go through yeah, it goes through chronological what pers- how how does it work perspective wise? Do you have like different sections like from one person's point of view then another person's? It does, but it tends to stay <coughs> with that one person for okay. ages, like over years. Okay. And then the next section might be you've jumped back and you're from someone else's perspective right, okay. and there's you know, it's going back to a time when all the family was together and they were still mm. quite young. It's quite an ambitious book. I don't mm-hmm. know how the author kept all the threads of it. <laughs> That's very impressive. So she's obviously knew her history as well, mm-hmm. all the things that were going on because it's set in New York and San Francisco, so all these mm. things that are going on throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s. And so, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. So I'll probably finish that by the time the, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, comes yeah. on. <laughs> uh, what about watching? What are you watching? Well, the <clears> great <throat> thing is I am watching what I was reading last time. Mm-hmm. So I went into Shadow oh. and Bone and yes. it's so good. It's so good. My sister, she read the first book. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like it and didn't want to continue after the first one. But I said, yeah, I have to watch the series because it's just... The actors in it are mm. excellent. I thought it was going to be a low budget, but I did watch it on its own. It's what's it? What's it on? Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, any famous people so we know? The, or? Y- the younger, so Ben Barnes plays. Oh yeah, yeah. plays one of the, the magical characters. Mm-hmm. The younger cast I don't recognise from. I'm sure they've maybe been in lots of things mm-hmm. that I've not seen before. But every single person in it's really strong. So definitely on the fantasy theme for me this month. Nice. What about you? What are you, what are you watching? As if I can't get enough of school during the day, eh, I'm watching a TV show called Abbott Elementary. It's, it's about a, an elementary school in Philadelphia, and it's just it's a mockumentary. So there's amazing little like glances to the camera, which is probably one of my favourite types of TV show. Like, I just love it. So it's just about each day in an elementary school, and I know it's pri- like primary level, but a lot of it's just so relatable. And also, so Mr. Stone and Mrs. Horgan have watched it too. So we were trying to figure out which character we are. I think I'm like, there's a really dorky history teacher 
is just really not cool at all. And I was I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's me. That's, that's really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I really wanted to be one of the cool teachers. Like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. But <laughs> nope, I am the probably the, the dorky history teacher. Oh. But you know what? It's fun. It's fine. Say, that's, that's the cool stuff. That's the DC exactly. stuff. That's the, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Gosh, it's not helping that. <laughs> it's, it's worth a watch. It's really, really good. I think it's on... Disney Plus, and there are two series. There are two series, and yeah, they're both they're both pretty good. Oh, brilliant! I'll watch out for it. See if there's any relatable characters. Yeah, in it. Well, you'll find them. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Book Blether. Thank you so much for joining us as we marked Mental Health Awareness Week, and also welcomed our staff star reader, Mr. Towie from Science. We hope that you join us for the very final episode of the current school year and until then, keep sharing stories.